to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. The first holy time on Jehovah's calendar is fast approaching, and we want to help you to get ready. With everything happening in our world, we simply cannot afford to miss an appointment with the Creator. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. And I agree, Daddy. And that holy appointment is called Pesach in Hebrew, but we know it as Passover. To our listeners, you can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Google Play. We love and need to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Shalom to our listeners in New York and Singapore. In New York, we are praying for you. Amen. So, Miss, let's start by expressing our hope and prayers that we and our listeners live to see the goodness of Jehovah in this new year. Amen. Now, if you thought that the new year came in a few months ago, please check out our podcast number 31 titled God's New Year. And if you need a refresher on the Creator's calendar, please check out our podcast number six titled God's Calendar. As Tim mentioned, this is the beginning of a new year, according to Jehovah's Calendar. This month is called Aviv, but in the Bible, it can be found as Abib, A-B-I-B. Knowing when the first of the month came was important because it told the children of Israel back then when to celebrate this momentous and prophetic event we call Passover. It is something the Father wants us to remember and celebrate now. If you read Exodus 12, verses 2 through 11, you can find his explicit instructions on how the first Passover was to be observed. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1 tells us why it is important to remember. Please take a moment to read these. This year, Passover will be observed on Wednesday, April the 8th, 2020. In the Hebrew calendar, it is called the 14th of Aviv. Later in the podcast, we'll talk about another reason this year's Passover is special. The book of the Bible known as Breshit, or Genesis, tells the story of how Israel got to Egypt in the first place. Elohim chose to reveal the future to his servant, Avraham, in chapter 15, verses 13 through 14, when he said, Know for sure that your seed will be strangers in someone else's land and will serve them for 400 years. I will judge that nation, and Israel will leave that nation with great wealth. Genesis chapters 37 through 45 give us the story of Yosef, Avraham's great-grandson. He was ultimately the primary person Elohim used to bring Israel to Egypt. Chapter 50, verse 20, gives us the reason why Elohim sent Israel to Egypt. Yosef said to his brothers, You thought evil against me, but Elohim meant it for good, to bring about this very day and to save the lives of many people. At some point during their time in Egypt, the quality of life for the children of Israel became terrible. The Pharaoh at that time didn't remember or acknowledge Joseph and all the good that he had done for Egypt. Instead of being kind and honoring Joseph's family, this Pharaoh enslaved them. He ordered them to perform hard labor and put slave masters over them. 
Moreover, he ordered that all the male babies be killed in order to slow down the growth of the people. Mm-hmm. This happened during the time Moshe, or Moses, was born. However, by Jehovah's grace, his life was saved from destruction, and he was actually raised in Pharaoh's household as a family member. Even though Moshe was raised Egyptian, Jehovah orchestrated a way for him to never forget who his true family was. When he became an adult, he killed an Egyptian uh, slaver for beating one of his Israelite brothers. Not wanting to be executed for doing that, Moshe left Egypt and ended up staying in Midian, where he met his wife, had children, and worked as a shepherd for 40 years. While Moshe was tending his father-in-law's flock, Elohim got Moshe's attention using a burning bush. He sent Moshe back to Egypt to demand the immediate release of the Israelites. After Elohim sent nine plagues that combined to destroy Egypt's food supply, livestock, and religious systems, among other things, the Egyptian king, Pharaoh, continually refused to let Israel go. The Bible records that Elohim hardened Pharaoh's heart after each plague. The tenth plague was the most personal to the people of Egypt. In Exodus 11, Elohim described the final plague to Moshe. First, he told Moshe to tell the people of Israel to borrow silver and gold from the Egyptians. Then Elohim said that he, himself, would go through Egypt and all of the firstborn would die, from Pharaoh's firstborn child to the firstborn of Egypt's animals. Verse 7 says that not even a dog will bark at any Israelite man or or animal, so they would know how Elohim put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. After this plague, Elohim said that Egypt would expel the children of Israel. It was at this point that Jehovah gave Moshe instructions for the Passover. In order for the firstborn of the Israelites to be spared, they were instructed to put the blood of a male lamb or goat of the first year on their doorpost on the day Jehovah instructed. This would be the sign. In chapter 12, verse 13 in Exodus, Jehovah said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike Egypt. They were told to stay inside, roast the lamb, and eat it quickly with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They had to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Needless to say, Israel followed Jehovah's instructions. You know, the setting for Passover seems a lot like what we're experiencing right now in this pandemic. Israel was told to stay inside their homes, allowing the plague to pass them by. People all around the world are being told to stay in their homes so that the coronavirus infection rate will diminish. The similarity will make Passover 2020 intensely personal for all of us who seek to follow Elohim's instructions. Mm-hmm. And just like the children of Israel put their trust in Jehovah, knowing that he could protect them from the pestilence to come, we put our trust in him through faith in Yeshua to do the same for us. Amen. In Exodus 12, verse 14, Elohim said that this day would be to Israel a memorial 
and that they should keep the feast to Elohim as an eternal ordinance. The Bible records additional instructions and other instances in which Israel celebrated the Passover. Check out Numbers 9, Deuteronomy 16, 2 Kings 23, and 2 Chronicles 30 for more about Israel and the Passover observance. Daddy, I'm really excited about the opportunity to celebrate another Passover with you and our family. Same here, Mama. Knowing that we too are called to remember Jehovah's Feast and His deliverance of His people makes me feel really grateful and happy. I'm glad to understand that Yeshua gave Passover fuller meaning by becoming the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, according to John 1, verse 29, and Isaiah 53. Something that makes this Passover unique also is occurring this year. Passover generally occurs on different days of the week each year, like unlike Easter or Resurrection Sunday, which is always on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. This year's Passover is on a Wednesday evening. Now, when I was a child, I was taught that Jesus was, Jesus was crucified on a Friday and that he rose early Sunday morning. Yeah, this is a special year and a special Passover, Mama. Good Friday services have been a standard in our community for a long time. Between us, I'm sure we've heard dozens of fiery sermons about Yeshua's crucifixion on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a lot of thought to realize that Yeshua's crucifixion could not have been on a Friday. In Matthew 12:38, Pharisees and scribes asked Yeshua for a sign. He answered that the only sign that generation would receive was the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, in like manner would Yeshua be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. If he were crucified on a good Friday and placed in a tomb that day, he could not rise on, quote, Easter or Resurrection Sunday, as the scripture says, and fulfill the sign of Jonah. Embracing that tradition is one of many practices that invalidates the faith in the eyes of people who really thoughtfully consider what we believers say and do. To our listeners, please look up lifehopeandtruth.com on your search engine of choice. That's life, L-I-F-E, hope, H-O-P-E, and A-N-D, truth.com. In the search space on the homepage, look up chronology of Christ's crucifixion. When you perform the search, The first entry should be a link that says Chronology of Christ's Crucifixion and Resurrection Infographic. It beautifully lays out the timeline from the Last Supper and the Crucifixion through to the Resurrection. You will notice that the Crucifixion had to happen on Wednesday to fit the Biblical narrative. You may see another link called Sign of Jonah, Good Friday, Easter. That link also presents excellent information and perspective on the timeline for the week our Messiah died and rose. It may seem tempting to agree when other believers say, hey, Good Friday ain't so bad. At least people are going to church. But the problem is, if we accept that Yeshua 
did not fulfill the sign of Jonah, we destroy the integrity of the sign, and we refute the fact that Yeshua is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. We can do better than that. And as believers, we really have to. Amen. Passover marks the fulfillment of so many scriptures that point to our salvation and forgiveness of sins. Yet there are some who say that we as believers don't have to celebrate Passover. They say Yeshua is our Passover lamb, according to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, and that celebrating Passover is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. However, we just read earlier in Exodus 12, verse 14, this day shall be a memorial. You shall keep it a feast by everlasting ordinance. Everlasting means ongoing. If our Heavenly Father says it's everlasting, then it's everlasting. Hmm. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and pick up an Easter ham uh, for your Jewish Messiah on the way home from Good Friday services? Or would you take the red pill, mark the Passover at the appointed time as one of Elohim's covenant people? Only you can answer that question, but please remember, Easter slash Resurrection Sunday and Passover are two totally different celebrations. Now, which one does the Bible command that we observe? Hmm. Well, Dad, now that we've talked a bit about the history of Passover, let's talk about what we do to prepare for it. Our listeners may like some suggestions. Okay, sounds good. What do you suggest? Well, we know that we can't keep it exactly as instructed. According to Deuteronomy 16, verses 5 and 6, Jehovah instructs Israel to sacrifice the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month of Aviv in Jerusalem at his temple, the place where he placed his name. There is currently no temple there, but we can still remember Passover and celebrate it. A few days before Passover, we remove all the leaven out of our home. Leaven is anything with yeast or a rising agent in food or drink. In its more spiritual sense, leaven represents sin. And Jehovah wants us to remember that it's imperative that we actively and intentionally remove the sin out of our lives. Amen. Also, we remember that the Feast of Unleavened Bread is immediately after Passover. And we'll talk more about that in another podcast. But to prepare for that, we have unleavened bread in our homes to eat because it's a seven-day feast. The food for the Passover Seder includes grape juice, bitter herbs, lamb or chicken if you don't have lamb, and of course, unleavened bread. Like many other believers, we do a Passover Seder that not only rehearses the history of the first Passover, but also integrates Yeshua's fulfillment of the Passover story. This year, we will be doing it virtually with our family due, the, due to the coronavirus and the need for social distancing. Mm -hmm. But hopefully everyone will still grasp the true significance of the celebration with joy and appreciation for all Jehovah's done for us. So if you want to be a part of our virtual Seder, please email us at redpiltorah at gmail.com before Monday, April 6th. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Next week, we hope to talk about first fruits and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
Please go back and listen again to what we shared, read over the scriptures, and discuss them with your family and friends. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.